0: On this prequel episode, we're learning about Dr. Seuss and previewing The Cat in the Hat. Well, welcome back to this Film is Lit prequel edition. You voted, we asked, you decided. <laughs> Cuz you're all terrible people.
1: We shouldn't have asked.
0: Nope, should have just done The Lorax or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> we are uh, the the winner of the poll. Was the Cat in the Hat pretty handily? Not sure the exact numbers, but it it kind of ran away with it. I think.
1: Yeah, it won by a pretty good margin. Yeah,
0: for a while the Lorax was winning, from what I saw
1: on Facebook for like a hot oh, minute. Okay. The Lorax was winning. Cat in the Hat was always winning on Twitter on because Twitter. Twitter's cesspool. Yeah, you're we all love the worst you guys, um, but you're the worst. <laughs>
0: and uh, ultimately, Cat and Hat ended up winning on both, I believe. Yes. Um, but so yes, we were doing Cat in the Hat, so we'll be previewing that. But before we do that. Katie's going to teach us a little bit about the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Seuss.
1: No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Well, we're going to learn today about Theodore Geisel, Mm. um, who was a political cartoonist and an illustrator and a poet and an animator and a screenwriter and a filmmaker, but best known for his work writing and illustrating more than 60 books under his pen name dr seuss there
0: you go theodore geisel yeah
1: theodore geisel
0: i already learned something because i don't think i knew that that was dr (laughs) seuss's name yeah i mean i knew his name i knew dr seuss was a pen name Um,
1: and he's he's theodore seuss geisel Oh, okay um so seuss is part of his name but it's not like technically his surname and is he a doctor um well i'm gonna okay we'll get there i'm gonna get to that spoilers um, I, that right, that work um, that includes many of the most popular children's books of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so about that pen name, um, it's an anglicized pronunciation that is inconsistent with his actual surname, which is German. Um, he pronounces it uh, "Seuss," rhymes with "rejoice," um, but he decided to go with "Seuss" because it rhymes with "goose," as in Mother Goose. Um, So he wanted that, like, association with another um, famous uh, children's um, storyteller, we'll say, a fictional storyteller in that case. But um, he added the doctor to his pen name um, because his father always wanted him to practice medicine. (laughs) But we'll get to, yeah, we'll get to actually more on that in just a few minutes. Okay. Um, so, Dr. Seuss, um, he attended Dartmouth and then Oxford. He actually left Oxford without earning a degree, um, and he published his first children's book. and uh, And to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street in 1937. Okay. Um, now, during World War II, he took a brief hiatus from children's literature to illustrate political cartoons, um, which kind of come with all of the yikes moments that you might expect of political cartoons from that era. Yeah. Um, he was very against, like, Hitler and everything that was going on in Europe. Right. Um, but his portrayal of the the Japanese was maybe not. Okay. Yeah, there were some, some real wolf moments there. Gotcha. Um, But look up his political cartoons sometime if you've never seen them. Uh, Like I said, a lot of them are very yikes. A lot of them are also pretty spicy. Um, They're interesting. Hmm. And it's interesting, too, to see because he has that very distinct illustration style. So it's interesting to see that in something other than like Like a a happy, fun kids book. Right. Um, Seuss also worked in the animation and film department of the United States Army, where he wrote, produced, and animated a lot of different productions. Um, he, uh, um, did Design for Death. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or not. Um, which won the 1947 Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature.
0: Designed for Death?
1: Uh, Designed for Death. It was about, um, U.S. occupation in Japan. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I had not heard of it till I started I doing either. research for this, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and then after the war, he went back to writing children's books um obviously he did a lot of that i'm not gonna like waste time listing everything that he did especially since we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into the cat in the hat um but some kind of um other interesting stuff uh his birthday march 2nd has since been adopted as the annual date for national read across america day um which is a reading initiative Mm -hmm. um Uh, He received numerous awards for his work, including the Lewis Carroll Shelf Award, the Laura Ingalls Wilder Medal, and a special Pulitzer for, like, kind of lifetime achievement. Um, But he won neither the Caldecott nor the Newbery Medal, which those are the two, we've mentioned them before Mm. on here, those are the two, like, big children's literature awards. So he didn't get either of those, which is interesting. Um, in 1956, Dartmouth, which I mentioned earlier, he went there, um, awarded him with an honorary doctorate. So they did finally legitimize his doctor. Yes. Yeah.
0: The PhD is legit. So
1: technically legit. Yeah. Um, so... One thing that I kind of hemmed and hawed about getting into when I was making up my notes was whether I wanted to get into his political leanings, Mm. which are deeply fascinating. Okay. Um, And I ultimately decided not to dive into that this time because I think it could be its own segment. Yeah. Um and I would maybe rather like make that its own learning things segment if we do the Lorax. Yeah, and it might make more on, sense or, for a different segment. Yeah, story something too. like the Lorax or um Horton Here's a Who mm-hmm. where there's more of a an obvious like political kind yeah. of message and connection there. Yeah. Um, but I do want to leave us with one other interesting fact here. Um, he actually made a point of not beginning to write his stories with a moral in mind. Um, he famously quoted a saying, kids can see a moral coming a mile off, which I think is true. Um, I would agree with him on that. Um not that he was against writing about issues. He definitely did. Um, but he kind of made a point to not like start off with like, okay, I'm gonna write about right. like I'm gonna write for this message. Yeah.
0: He just would kind of get in there yeah. a little more yeah. naturally or try to. Interesting.
1: All right. So those are my Dr. Seuss facts. Cool. Kind of a brief overview. Yeah, very brief. Um, but like I said, I I would rather I think deep dive into the political stuff in another segment All right. at some point. Well, we
0: can look forward to that eventually when we do the Lorax or one of the other stories. Probably it wouldn't make a lot of sense for when we do yeah, the I think Grinch, it would, But Yeah,
1: I think it would make a lot of sense for the Lorax. <laughs> there you go.
0: So look forward to that uh, one day down the road. <laughs> but now let's preview The Cat in the Hat, the book.
1: Somewhere over the horizon, in a place unlike any other... Hi. I'll be back in a couple of hours. Conrad and Sally Walden were inside listening to a few rules from their mother. No video games, no fighting, no answering the phone city morgue. And absolutely no one sets foot in the living room or else. But today while she's away, someone special will show them how to play. Who are you? Who, me? Why, I'm the cat in the hat. All right, so the cat in the hat. Um, first published in 1957. Um, three years then after its debut, the book had already sold over a million copies. Um, in 2001, Publishers Weekly listed the book at number nine on its list of best selling children's books of all time. Um, so it was kind of like an immediate runaway success. Yeah. So Dr. Seuss actually created this book in response to a debate that was happening in the U.S. at that time about literacy in early childhood and whether or not um, traditional... Um, we can have this debate again. Is it primers or primers? I don't know. I don't know. even
0: know. <laughs> I, I mean, I always used to say primers, but I, I feel like I've heard primers, but I've, I've heard both. I'm not sure which is correct, or maybe both are. I don't maybe know. Maybe
1: both are. I don't know. I feel like that's probably a British-American thing, maybe. Yeah,
0: but I don't actually think... Well, yeah, because it does sound very much like a British versus American mm-hmm. thing, but I don't know if it is or not.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to say um, primers because... I feel kind of like an ass saying primers because right. it does sound very British. So I'm going to say primers. I apologize if that is incorrect. Um, so there was a debate at the time about whether or not those traditional primers were effective. Um, we're talking about the Dick and Jane look, Jane look, see Dick run kind of books. Yeah. Um, so uh, Dr. Seuss was asked to write a more entertaining Primer um, by William Spalding, who was then the director of the educational division at Houghton Mifflin, which is a big publishing house. Um, Now, he's given a couple varying accounts of how he created The Cat in the Hat, um, but the version most often told was that he was so frustrated with the word list that he was given um, that he decided to just scan through it and create a story centered around the first two words he found that rhymed, which ended up being cat and hat. Um, And thus the cat and the hat was born. There you go. Um, He's also variously stated that the book took between nine and 18 months to create. Could have been a pretty quick study. Could have taken a little bit longer. Um, Simple things I think are often pretty difficult to create so who knows i guess it doesn't really matter
0: just real quick i looked it up so it seems like the short eye tends to be used in american english referring to an introductory textbook but british english they always print like in britain mm-hmm. they it's unheard of to pronounce it that way which is funny because it almost sounds like a british thing yeah primer, primer but apparently in britain it's always primer
1: I'm going to keep saying primer because primer still makes me feel like an ass.
0: And the, the American pronunciation in academic settings tends to oftentimes is with the long or the short I, mm-hmm. but that uh, one of the dictionaries, the OED, Oxford English Dictionary, lists both as acceptable, hmm. but that long I is probably more Correct. So primer is probably more correct. Probably more correct, but primer is also acceptable. But mainly used in America, Hmm. and and especially particularly in like academic settings. Well, we don't maybe to differentiate between it and paint. But (laughs) yeah, anyways.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about um, kind of like some critical analysis of the book, starting out with the cat. Um, A lot of critics have identified Dr. Seuss himself with the cat. Um, In particular, um, uh, Michael Frith, who worked as his editor at the time, um, has stated the cat in the hat and Ted Geisel were inseparable and the same. I think there's no question about it. Hmm. This is someone who delighted in the chaos of life, who delighted in the seeming insanity of the world around him. And now we'll get into a little bit of controversy. Okay. Um, So Philip Nell, who is an American scholar of children's literature, has drawn connections between the cat and stereotyped depictions of African-Americans, particularly like uh, minstrel shows. Yeah. um, Pointing also to Geisel's own minstrel-inspired cartoons from like very early in his career. Um, and then the use of the term cat to refer to jazz musicians. Um, so according to Nell, um, even as Geisel wrote books designed to challenge prejudice, which he definitely did. Right. yeah, Yeah. Um, he never fully shed the cultural assumptions he grew up with and was likely unaware of the ways in which his visual imagination replicated the racial ideologies he consciously sought to reject. So I thought that was interesting, um, you know, kind of an interesting thing to note that even when we have somebody who um, is very clearly making a conscious effort to promote um, like kind of very good and inclusive mm-hmm. ideas within their stories, um, you can still have potentially this kind of issue um, with like racially charged depictions of characters and. Um, and actually, more recently, there's been a little bit of a controversy about like de- other depictions in his other books of like um, like Asian stereotypes yeah. and things like that. Well, and that. you
0: mentioned in the comic or the political cartoons, mm-hmm. that, so
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to mention that because um, you know that is something that comes up when mm-hmm. we're talking about this book. So I don't want to leave it out.
0: I just found a thing on a Facebook page called the Conscious Kid. I have no idea what this is, but they. <laughs> Uh, they have a whole Dr. Seuss series on their website, and they have a resource linked called A Critical Race Reading of Dr. Seuss, A Resource Guide for Read Across America Day 2018. Yeah. And it's got a picture comparing the cat with uh, an old minstrel um, yeah. image. Yeah. It looks yeah, like a was, TV show or something. Um,
1: pretty but recently, this has kind of been like turned up fresh again, mm-hmm. this issue.
0: And yeah, the i even never even thought about like, yeah, the top yeah. hat and the... About big bow ties. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, so coming away from the cat then, um, onto the character of the fish. I thought this was really interesting because I'd never thought about it before. Um, Philip Nell, who we were just talking about, um, he has also compared the fish to the super ego. Um, getting a little bit, was that Freud? Freud, I believe. Yeah, Freudian. Yeah. Um, while others then have referred to the cat as pure id. Um yeah. now also noting then that this would make the children mediators mm-hmm. between the two, which I think is kind of an interesting analysis it of is, it. Yeah. Um especially since like if you ascribe to any kind of like Freudian ideas, um,
0: which <laughs> which uh, is a whole
1: it's a whole different a whole thing.
0: Topic, but a lot of Freud stuff since,
1: is yeah, a lot of Freud stuff is
0: improved upon, corrected, right. repudiated. Depicted, but I think it is kind
1: of an interesting reading of it, um, given that this would be an age when kids are learning to mediate between like right. their super ego their and their yeah their, their impulses and like. What they know they need to be doing behavior wise. Um, And then uh, Seuss himself actually once called the fish my version of Cotton Mather, who was the Puritan moralist who advised prosecutors during the Salem witch trials. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: Advise them how?
1: (laughs) Well,. Like you might expect. Okay, great. (laughs) Also interesting considering a fish is a symbol for Christianity. True. Yeah. It's also true. Yeah. So The Cat in the Hat is the book that made Dr. Seuss famous. Um, Without that book, Seuss likely would have remained a minor note in the history of children's literature. Mm -hmm. So we owe it all to the cat um this book also led directly to the creation of beginner books um which is a publishing house that's centered on producing books like this specifically for early readers um and what's really interesting i think about the cat in the hat is that it literally transformed the way that we teach literacy yeah. to little kids um It kind of stood for the idea that we should teach reading by phonics Mm -hmm. rather than by word recognition, which is what Dick and Jane was doing, right? That was word recognition. Um, And it also brought about the idea that language skills, um, along with other subjects, but specifically language skills, um, ought to be taught through illustrated story um, rather than through like primers and textbooks and flashcards and things like that. Yeah. Um, So then I'm going to leave us with a quote from Dr. Seuss um, where he said, of the Cat in the Hat, um, it is the book I'm most proud of because it had something to do with the death of the Dick and Jane primers.
0: Fascinating. Let's move on and discuss the Cat in the Hat film.
1: Get ready to experience the ultimate game of cat and house. The mother of all messes. Mike Myers. Oh. <laughs> we need to clean
0: this mess up. I'll try. You don't try. You do. Yes, ma'am. The Cat in the Hat. So, Cat in the Hat is a 2003 film directed by Bo Welch. It, is, it was his first and only feature film directorial uh, job.
1: First but, and only.
0: First and only. <laughs> but he uh, is a production designer mainly. Was uh, and he's been a pro- was a production designer on all kinds of things. I uh, did Edward Scissorhands, hmm. he did Men in Black, he did Wild Wild West, he did Thor, and most recently he was the production designer for a series of unfortunate events, the Netflix series. He also directed four episodes of that show. He has directed very few things. He directed a couple shorts or TV episodes, like two. Then he did. The Cat in the Hat in two thousand three, and then he did nothing until he directed four episodes of a series of unfortunate events. Hmm. So, if you enjoyed that show, for one, two of them, two of the episodes are the, uh, well, they're all two part episodes, but one of them is the the elevator, the Earthsat's elevator. He mm-hmm. did those two episodes, and then I can't remember what the other two were. But anyways, he did did four episodes of that show. Interesting. The movie stars Mike Myers as the titular cat. Uh, It also stars Spencer Breslin and Dakota Fanning as the two kids and Alec Baldwin and Kelly Preston. Kelly Preston plays the mother. Alec Baldwin plays Quinn, which I'm not sure who that is in relation Mm. to the book. I don't remember anything about the book other than (laughs) the cat being in a hat and some stuff probably good. This movie is one of the bottom rated movies on all of IMDb. It's number 93 from the bottom. So it's, you know, way down there. So it's a, maybe the first one we've ever done in the bottom 100 on IMDb, uh-huh. which is like their top 250. They have a bottom 100. And yeah, number 93. It was nominated for eight Razzies. It won one of those Razzies. Not sure what what it was now. Oh, the, it was a weird category, like Worf's excuse for a movie, which it wasn't <laughs> Worf's picture. It's a slightly uh-huh. different one. I'm not sure what the difference is, but it won that. Uh, In 2010, Mike Myers was nominated for Worst Actor of the decade uh, for the Razzies for This and Love Guru. (laughs) DreamWorks, uh, to go back a little bit, DreamWorks Pictures acquired rights to the original book in 1997, but production didn't start until after How the Grinch Stole Christmas uh, was a commercial success, made lots of money because that came first in like 2001 or 2000. Yeah. And then it made a bunch of money, and then they're like, "All right, let's make."
1: Captain no, Hatt. yeah, and I remember I went to see this in the theater. Captain I've Hatt, never
0: seen this movie because
1: we thought it was going to be like the Grinch.
0: Right. I've never seen this movie. I've seen the Grinch or the you know, the live action Grinch, but I've not seen this one. No, well, you are in but for a I, treat, and yeah. We'll see. Uh, When production began, I thought this was interesting, there were songs featured in the film written by Randy Newman, Hmm. uh, most notably for movie people uh, from Toy Story fame, but he's also done all kinds of stuff. Uh, But they were dropped because they were deemed inferior. But Randy Newman's cousin, David Newman, composed the score for the film, which is interesting. I didn't know his cousin was a composer. Weird. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Although Although Bo Welch and his publicist and the publicist for Michael Myers denied it, several people on the set said Myers was uh, had considerable input into the film's direction, telling some of the cast, uh, including uh, Alec Baldwin and Kelly Preston, how to perform their scenes. Hmm. Tim Allen was originally going to be the cat he dropped out of the role because uh, of scheduling conflicts because he was filming the Santa Claus too. So just a bunch of arousingly amazing film or a bunch of just incredible <laughs> films going on at this time. Uh, the makeup for the cat was designed by makeup artist, Steve Johnson. Uh, he's worked on a bunch of films and movies, like tons of them, very successful and talented uh, makeup artist. And I, I don't know what, how it looks in this movie or how, you know, it, it from the cover art, it looks fine. Uh, the cat costume was made of Angora and human hair. And was fitted with a cooling system that they, in between shots, they would hook up a hose with like an air conditioning hose to the back and cool him down inside the suit so he didn't die of heat stroke while they were filming. (laughs) This is my favorite fun fact maybe ever. I don't know. It's such a specific but great fun fact. The soundtrack for this film features a song by Smash Mouth.
1: (laughs) The song is called
0: Getting Better. That makes it the third Mike Myers starring film in a row to feature at least one song by Smash Mouth, <laughs> starting with Shrek in two thousand and one, right. and then Austin Powers Gold Member in two thousand and two, oh, and then <laughs> Captain the Hat in two thousand
1: and three. What a time to be alive!
0: Right, <laughs> er, that turn of the millennium was something else. Oh, according to Mike Myers, less than a month before the film was released, the producers made plans for a sequel based on the book sequel. The cat in the hat comes back. Mm -hmm. However, uh, the Dr. Seuss's widow, Audrey Geisel, was so appalled by the live by this movie that she decided that they could not make any more live action adaptations of her late husband's works. And the sequel was eventually canceled, which is a thing I've heard is that she basically said no more live action stuff, which is why they've made animated versions since then, like the Lorax and stuff. But they've not done live action since. Mike Myers uh, So Mike Myers' bad behavior was kind of notoriously Reported on the set of him just being impossible To work with and being a nightmare uh, Apparently it was later revealed That he was contractually obligated to be In this movie and he oh. did not want to He did not like the script and the direction The movie was going and he tried to get out of it But they sued him and he Countersued and it all worked out To the fact that he had to do the movie And one more movie Which was the love Guru, go- <laughs> 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 I believe is what i read uh which i have not seen but uh, by all accounts is completely terrible other people considered to direct this film other than Bo welch i'm gonna start with the least crazy terry gilliam sure right yeah sure joe dante okay kenneth branow final one apparently now who knows how true this is but this is just what i found on imdb's trivia section Martin Scorsese was considered to direct The Cat in the Hat. The only film I can think that's even in the ballpark of this movie is Hugo. And that's not even in the ballpark.
1: Well, it would have been a very different movie. I mean, it's more
0: of a kid's movie, but... yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Well, apparently, this movie is while being a kids movie is also not at all a kids movie. Yeah. It's got a bunch. They said apparently, so it's rated PG. But I read something saying that a lot of people thought it should have been rated PG thirteen. There's with how I, much I remember, adult humor yeah, there, there being is in a it. A lot
1: of adult humor in this, yeah. and like pretty, like yeah. not just inappropriate, but also like just really crappy jokes. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's the rumor that I've heard when I was doing some research. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the score, the film has a score of 9% approval rating. (laughs) And finally, Leonard Maltin, the uh, famed critic and reviewer, said of the film. The brightly colored adaptation of the beloved rhyming book for young children is a betrayal of everything Dr. Seuss ever stood for, injecting potty humor and adult wink wink jokes into a mixture of heavy handed slapstick and silliness. So that's where Leonard Malton's feelings on the topic. I don't know how much he knew about Dr. Seuss and whether or not it is, in fact, a betrayal of everything he stood for. But we can get to that. <laughs> we'll figure that out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was not a fan. Uh, and none of the critics that I could find uh, were fans of the film. And most people hate it. And it's been recommended to us on our bad, my bad movie YouTube show quite yeah. a few times. So it'll be interesting to watch. Those are all of the, the fun facts I had about. This uh, purportedly terrible film. So, if you want to watch it, it is on Netflix, we found out. Mm-hmm. if you, uh, you can read along. Obviously, it's quick to read. Uh, and it's available on Netflix. And most people tend to have Netflix these days. So, that's an easy place to go watch it. Or you can go check it out at your local library and see if they have a copy of the movie. They may have, like, on principle, destroyed all physical <laughs> copies they can come into contact Actually, with.
1: Um... I looked before we checked if it was streaming anywhere, and it is not at our local library. Yeah. It is not at our local university library. I feel like
0: librarians on on principle, of like <laughs> they're like, I will not have this I movie. I
1: would have had to, in a box. I would have had to. <laughs> I will request not have this movie <laughs> through interlibrary yeah. loan. Yep. Yeah. I will not watch it on a train. Yeah. I will not watch it. In the rain Yeah.
0: So uh <laughs> but anyways it is on Netflix, so yeah. One week that's what we'll be talking about is the cat in the hat. And until that time, guys guys, not by and everybody else. Keep watching movies. Keep reading books. And keep being awesome. We'll go backwards that time. <laughs> We're mixing it up. Getting wild like the cat. I don't know.